0: There is no single pathway to entrepreneur success. Most of the entrepreneurs I've interviewed on this podcast have gone through unique ways to reach their goals, but there are similar milestones along the journey. There are common questions every entrepreneur should address as they build their business. How do I find an idea I should pursue? How do I validate the idea? How do I build the product? How do I launch it? How do I find and reach customers? How do I grow revenue and scale? How do I build community? around my product? How do I build a team that we execute? How do I raise money? These are the fundamental questions every entrepreneur should be asking. The Hustle Bootcamp program will help you tackle these questions. The Hustle Bootcamp is an intensive five-week online program for high-performing individuals who want to build profitable, scalable, and fundable business in Africa. This is not your average online course. It is a coaching program. Everything in the course is different designed towards enabling you to launch your new business or innovate an existing one. We are prioritizing transformation over information. There are five models in the program and they will be delivered over video along with worksheets, action plans, and step-by-step guides. But more importantly, every week during the program, I'll be hosting live office hours Q&A where we'll be breaking down key aspects of the course. And I'll have some of the guests from this podcast in the live Q&A. If you really want to build Scale or get funding for your own business. This is the program for you. Registration is now open and we'll be closing it very soon. We have very limited seats. Go to thehustlebootcamp.com. That is T H E H U S T L E bootcamp.com. Thehustlebootcamp.com and register now. The next African story will be written by Africans. Meet the people using technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative. This is Building the Future podcast with your host, Doting, coming up today on Building the Future.
1: My mom is a prime school teacher. You know, if mom's a prime teacher, you know there's some perks that comes with that. There's always cane in the house. The cane can appear at every corner. <laughs> um, then she found out that she left first man. She went to prayer mountain. She was there for two, three days. Praying. To pray for you? Yeah, yes, finally some got into her. The enemy has taken over, you know. The problem, that we don't take bets on our young people. Budgets can be well funded by lots of billionaires or lot of millionaires in Nigeria, But please, we need to take that bet.
0: This series is in partnership with the british council in nigeria the british council is the uk's international organisation for cultural relations and educational opportunities all opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion or policies of the british council for more information about the british council go to britishcouncil.org.ng this is Building the Future Life podcast with Sherwin Onibide. Sherwin has been a very good person I met recently, even though I've heard a lot about you before meeting you a few months ago in Abuja. Uh, Sherwin is the co-founder of Budget, a Nigerian civic startup. The idea behind Budget is really simple. It's to make information about government spending more accessible to the average citizen. In a country where transparency is not the norm, budget is using technology plus a dash of share f to hold the government players accountable. They do this via web-based public data visualization platform, which works to educate the public about Nigeria funds. Shehoun said, I believe in a just, transparent, and a fair society where every citizen within a community has equal access of information about the fiscal position of the society. So if you have ever doubted the impact of hackathons, tech hubs, startup events, or accelerator programs in facilitating innovation and growth, budget is your answer. Because budget was founded when Shewu and his co-founder joined an hackathon and had a team at Hub in Lagos. And that was when the idea started. Since then, they've grown as a platform that helped Nigerians to understand and track government spending. There are kind of a number of people in the government that don't like Sheung, but we love him to beat. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff he does. That's
1: that's why you say when you said I'm a good man, I was worried. Like I said, do politicians think so too?
0: (laughs) We're going to talk about that as well. Yeah, maybe some politicians don't think so, or some of them might love you, but maybe secretly. Again, Sheung, welcome to Building The Future podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to be here, and uh, I'm happy to be part of this uh, podcast. It's like the fair way forward now. It's this very, very busy and uh, very, very distracted world. But I'm happy that you're leading this. I'm happy the British Council is also supporting this idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad about that.
0: Great. So let's start from the beginning. You studied electrical engineering mm. uh, at UNAB, and you then worked as a banker. Now you are a tech or civic activist. Let's talk about your journey. You initially wanted to be a bank CEO right? That was your
1: dream, <laughs> yes. I had a dream to be a bank CEO, you know. Um, I remember when I joined First Bank Trading School, then I always told my colleagues that when we're taking the class picture, I was four persons away from the CEO, so fourth person like, away from, from the CEO. CEO. So I said, Okay, that means after the CEO, there's just three persons between me and the CEO, <laughs> you know. And that's what I told them. And I know everybody now started calling me GMD in the trading school. I was, you know, I, sometimes I would not Teach them about things I've read somewhere on the Google. Then um, someday I sat down in my office. So I spent three and a half years in First Bank. I wasn't promoted. What so are you doing in First Bank? Well, first Bank is First Bank. The bank that has been there since 1894. So I don't know what Mr. Shea would have been there, who was born in 1985, is going to change about 1894. Man. So when I tell people that I want to go and market it's where are you going to? Just when you want to go and greet your girlfriends, you know? <laughs> you know? But it was there because I did some marketing. I did customer service. I really enjoyed customer service.
0: So you're not just an engineer?
1: No, I didn't enjoy anything. Because when I left, there was a bit of frustration doing engineering in Nigeria. And right from school, I already, one day I sat down, I was. Frustrated. I said, I told, we're just 14 in the class because I was a pioneer set of engineering and university of agriculture. So we're just 14, so it was more like a test, you know. And I said, I told all of them, see, all of us are frustrated here, yeah, but believe me, once I walk out of this door, that's the end of engineering. I don't care about this old rubbish anymore. Because you told us to go and be you know, eating nails on wood, you get a soda and be so drained wire on a nail. And, you know, and you, you solder everything overnight and the teacher comes out and you pulls the wire on top of it and he just pull off. And, like, it can't be this big But hard. Yeah, it can be. Life this. is not this hard. Yeah, like, we we're supposed to be thinkers, you know. So right from the university, and when you see people that are the best karmas are, the, you know, becoming the leading lights in your class, I'm like, what are we doing there? I arrived right from the university. I knew I wasn't going to do engineering. I tried it. Once I felt like you know being called to duty, unless my father's school fees go to waste. But at the end of the day, the way I tried, they didn't pay me salary for three months. So I said, "See, the Lord is not." Wouldn't pay here. His salary for three months. You want me to mention the company? <laughs> he's a big you, ma- you, You're the transparency guy. Oh, he's a big money in this country. Yeah, it was a media, it was a new media publishing firm. They finally paid us, but they would just pay on the on the 13th. On the okay, 14th. I can tell. Yeah, the company has folded up. Yeah, now, next 247. Oh my god, you found out. Jesus. Oh, uh, but but you know them. Yeah, so, so they were not paying us on time. And I was getting offers from GT, from First Bank, you know, and I didn't have I had to just pick up my money. So you went to first bank. So I worked first bank, I was in a branch, I worked in the customer service. Service, did marketing a bit, even though my guy said I was just chasing girlfriends. After then, I was a bit frustrated too there. So one day I sat down in my office and I said, how to, something's wrong with this bank. I need to think of something I can do to change this bank. You know, in this GMD, the assumption that I had. So I wrote a piece, and a really nice piece about what is wrong with First Bank and why are we not banking the next generation? You know. And because 85% of people you attend to as a customer service are just old people who come with tons of troubles. Some of them left. They don't even know they have an account number. The account number has changed like four times. They don't even know you. And they just put their body of guilt on you. And you're there solving their problems for like 30, 40 minutes. They can't sign their signature. They don't have a mandate card. They don't have the, they only can thumbprint. How do you verify a thumbprint? It was just a bit of, so I would like, I, we need to take up the new, young, trendy ATM, you know, POS, bank app kind of people. So I wrote a piece. I gave it to a friend of mine who works in Paga now. His name is Muna. Muna Achidu, do, Soduru, right? I said, I went for a training school. We also do ref, training school refresher courses. They we went to a training school refresher course, and I said, Muna, you know, I wrote this thing for First Bank, and he read it. And he said, this is beautiful. This is nice, yeah. So he gave it to someone. His name is Eithokbe, uh, Matthew Daniel. He's married now to Kolaouye Yenei. She's married to Kolaouye you now, and she said, she, oh, I like this. I've been looking for someone that can write for me like this. This is good. And she passed it to a friend again. The people in strategy say, "Ah, we've been looking for someone who can write well." They didn't even look at how I was writing because they, they know all the things that I'm saying already, but they felt like I could write well. So as I got myself into strategy, after like another six interviews within the bank, you know, I got to this department of like- the Which be- bank? So you First moved bank.
0: From the par- oh, you wrote something while you were in-, in the a, next- branch. In a branch. In a branch? In a branch of First Bank. And then it got passed around? And they moved me to strategy department. And who now got as
1: strategist? So I had to choose between the uh, Utoppe's department, which was called Corporate Transformation. And Utoppe works in First Bank? First Bank, Okay. Yeah. So you Worked in the first bank. Then she introduced that document to a colleague of ours called Unche Ugbade. And Unche said, okay, we like this. We're looking for a good writer, a young writer. Uh, won't come at a huge cost of a bill. So that was the entry level of the bank. So I went and looked at it it's okay, I did some interviews within the strategy because it was a difficult place to be. You know, it was like the brain box of the bank, you know, you know, first of all, I was going through a lot of transformation Then, So I, that's how I found myself in strategy. And that's how- In strategy? Yeah, it was strategy department. It was a really, really hard place to work. You, know, you need to put your brains down every second. You need to prove that you're a very smart person to be there. Then at a the point, I was working with the public sector business units. It was there we're doing some budget analysis we're doing contract. you know we're thinking about how do the bank positions for contracts be able to manage opportunities that comes from the budget and we're writing economic intelligence papers you know speeches and up and down i guess it was there something snapped in my head that no you can do this for the public because somehow i'm not a contented person easily because even though i was working first man i had a depth reading life you know my car was on loan my house was on loan so it was not like it was paying me like that, you know. It was frust- There was real-time frustration. And, you know, some people feel that you've collected salary at the end of the month, but you have finished the money the, in the middle of the month. You know, It was real frustration. So there was a lot of discontent with the whole system.
0: Was that discontent coming from, I'm uh, not earning a lot as I w- want to, or discontent coming from, there is more that I can apply my mind, my talent, I can make more impact than what I'm doing now? Yeah.
1: So or is that, it both? So that discontent first... It was that dream I had. It was a disconnect with that dream I had. So I said, I want to become the MD. The one guy came and asked me, we have been here for almost four years now. You have not been promoted. There are 15 steps between you and the MD.
0: That
1: <laughs> <laughs> means you are going to have 60 years before you can become MD if you are going at this pace. Uh, well, you, you always get it to the grave by that time. Now. So it was a, there was a first discontent distro- that if I'm going to take this routine ladder, I'm not going to fulfill my dream. So I first had to force through the discontent that this is not where I want to be. Second discontent was where I was working. I felt I just deserved more. And I feel like with all these brain cells, with all this work we're doing, it's so hard to even get the next launch you know, out here. Why is it so difficult? So at a point in time, I knew that I had to get out. I need to do something else with my life. You know, And I'm a person that... Right from the university days, this whole civic consciousness, social awareness, changing the society has always been with me. I contested for student union government. I lost. You know, I was my pioneer for faculty president. I was in the student assembly. In fact, when I was in first band, if there is a protest, like proper protest, I will use style and ask for permission. Or oh, possibly they, I was on time. As was,
0: if there's a protest outside, yeah, not there was, within first, there first bank was The first protest
1: we had it wasn't it was a year I protest. I was on leave the first two. Occupy Nigeria. Occupy no, o- Nigeria. Yeah, I was still in First Bank there I was on leave the first two weeks of that year. So immediately you saw that ah, Occupy Nigeria. I was excited. Like, so you are one of those aluta guys. So so I, I can't be aluta in the bank. You want, to, you want me to lose <laughs> my job? But I was always one of those. Aluta so there's a time.
0: link between that and to you now starting budget. I, yeah. I, I, I want to get into that, mm. but I want to go a little bit back. Mm. Your mom. Is a teacher you wrote a very good emotional piece recently Mm. about your mom serving for about 35 years and your dad losing his job at one point Mm. and your mom supporting and i Mm. can connect to that because Mm. i grew up in a home where i know what it means not to have food on the table in Mm. the evening although i never hocked but then uh, there was times when there was no food on the table Mm. for a long time and Mm. dad and mom had to really struggle mom had to borrow money for me to go to university how was that for you and i would just want to draw a line between that and what you're trying to do now. And the impact of that time, mm. growing up in Ibadan and doing all of that.
1: My mom is a primary school teacher. Uh, you know, if your mom is a primary school teacher, you know there's some perks that comes with that. There's always cane in the house. So, and uh, you, the cane can appear at every corner. <laughs> Um, you know, it doesn't need to be special because I remember when I was young, the children, the primary school children, they have two things they must bring at the beginning of everything. You must bring a broom and, and, a must, cane. and a cane. So somehow, you know, when they have, when they have like 200 students bring cane and, and they're just like maybe 25 teachers, there's always a cycle that continues. So somehow, you know, we're real flogged. My brother was flogged. I always argue with my mom till day that we have just four, uh, two boys with, with two senior ones, and we had two sisters. And they were two sisters, we were not flogged. In fact, these days, my sister start things to argue with my mom, like, seriously? <laughs> you know? I, if you, the thing you argue, with that, you just said, yeah. <laughs> you know? But like, what well, is this? Everything looks calm. No, but, but the question was, um, there was that pain. You know, whether this a rugged, you know, like, I will not say we're rugged, because I don't want to tarnish some struggles some people really went through. You know, it was a middle class family. My, I always believed my dad was the richest man in the world when we were growing up. You he thought had, he was the yeah, richest because man. I felt he could take care of everything we needed. You know, he had a Mustubishi Lancer. Well, you know, then we could go to the beach. We went to Trans Amusement Park. We went to a park. We could go to cinemas. I remember when we were at Mr. Biggs in Marina. You know, we're still new then. So, like, we were good. You know, like, we. but the tide of Nigeria... What was his job? It was an accountant at Michelin. Yeah, Michelin and Ijora. So, and he you knew how suddenly that entire manufacturing and that industry collapsed. Michelin closed down. Dunlop closed down. And he had to be put out. And you see him. I a pile of lessons for my own life. You see him come from hundred almost zero, and basically it was a whole pandemonium man in the old family, and we went through a whole lot of. Do you have to
0: move from Lagos to? Yeah, I to.
1: because I was in a very expensive school. I was going to a school called St. John's College. It's on Palm Grove around Onitsha, very expensive school. Back then I was like I'm sure, I'm sure we should be the top five expensive schools in Lagos. Called paying like eighteen thousand naira per time then in 1995. It was a whole lot of money. 18,000 and when my dad lost his job, he just told me one day that we're going to Baden because my mom was always in Baden. He was always working in Lagos. So he goes home every weekend. You're living with your dad in Lagos. Lagos, My mom was in Baden. My mom was working to do a transfer to Lagos. But there was so much money in my dad. Even at the point she felt she was going to give up all the work and just come to Lagos. But when he lost his job, they had to pass all that. So when you just said we're going to Ibadan, and we went to Ibadan, I was in GS too. and he says oh, we're sorry, you're not going back to I said, Seriously, <laughs> I'm now in Ibadan, and that's how I went back to Lula College. Let, let's talk about that and the impact that I share on and So if Young. It, growing up was not was not you have an abundance of everything, my mom had something called the power of example, and I guess it's something that guided me a lot. That you cannot afford to fail, you know, because you are the first man. Are other people looking at you, so I always, I always had to cut my life with that personal example of I had to. Always stand in gap, and because sometimes in the house, my younger brother does something wrong. But some, if he's supposed to take eight lashes of cane, he takes it. But because I'm around. And you are the elder, you are the brother. You have to take four too, you know. Yeah, you know, because somehow she just believes that she will find a way to rope you in that you are also part of this thing. Yeah, and she had all these uncles where we are big people in our family. You know, it's like look at this guy; he's a medical doctor. Look at this guy; he's a big banker. And see how they all pattern and a way straight with their lives. So I grew up having all that thoughts and, and
0: with that. a sense of responsibility. Yeah.
1: So it comes to the whole sense of responsibility in the family because right from the start that leadership was there. I didn't even have a choice because I knew that if everybody. Drops the ball somehow, somehow in the house. Is it going to come back to me?
0: So when you moved back to Ibadan, your dad was living with you in Ibadan. Yeah, and
1: he had to change his job. No, he stayed in Lagos. He
0: stayed in Lagos. Yeah, he
1: didn't come. He couldn't live. He doesn't just like Ibadan somehow.
0: And how was that with him not being around? And you have to take responsibility as a man of the house yeah. some, uh, somehow.
1: My, my mom is the man of the... Uh, <laughs> but, but I know it was, it was tough. Because you know, in those days, it was Abdusalam Salami Abubakar that changed a lot for civil service in Nigeria. It, would, you know, it was pain. You no, know, It was real pain those days. We sold everything. We sold granites. We sold popcorn. We sold palm oil. We sold granites. We sold stainless steel. We sold um, plastics. We sold fat. Can't tell the story of my life without kerosene i don't know anybody that knows about them well but you have to take kerosene from OJ and have to take kerosene down to uh, aroma lines on odi fair road around lewila college we have to go and buy kerosene on put the keg 25 liter keg on here to do that and i can do that twice in a day because you can bring the kerosene down here whole and you know how difficult those days well, it was difficult
0: and you're working like I, how many kilometers I, I remember, maybe
1: like four five kilometers and it was hard. And I was going to Loyola, which was just behind our house. So it was easy once in a while. My mom would just, when there's the rings, the bell, get out and quickly come and get me this thing. You know, and we did all of that. Because my dad was struggling, really struggling. The mom had salaries that wasn't up to anything. I had three siblings with me. And that's how we went to all that cycle. It was when Abdu'l-Salam came and raised the minimum wage. I think just raised, before you know, it didn't make sense. I think when inflation came up on it. It was when things started. Look like we're going to ease out in the farm.
0: so you are a good example you saw the impact that government have on living of people mm. and family welfare mm. you saw the disproportionate impact that government has mm. and, and is that a link between what you're doing now to say we need to hold government accountable we cannot just say okay they're government and stuff we need to hold the money that is going to them accountable have you had that link to what you went through then, with government coming in and raising minimum wage and changing your life, to understand. Yeah, yeah. So well, it would be now?
1: hard because changing minimum wage means that you. I went from five naira break money to ten naira. I was like hundred could like buy bread and you know bread and my money, they wrap it together, you know. Poor my money and poor bread. But you but you don't have a choice. Yeah. And once in a while if your friend is has money, I don't know where he makes money, but can afford you a sardine. But it was really that way. And because you would see this scenario that you if you look at our lives, we can't run away from governments. We can't run away from the entire way governance is. Imagine I said my dad was the richest man that I thought. Because he had everything. Even though we're still in Onikpan, you know, he had two rooms in Onikpan, But he had everything that I felt as a young... We had Christmas clothes with crepesy labels. I don't know how you traveling out then. But I know that it could take us on everywhere we wanted to be. Now imagine he loses his job because the entire company shut down. You know, and imagine how fragile families become. That was exactly a very difficult window. And well, why did the government shut down? We had drawback here. That's why Michelin of the Dunlop's here came down here to set up tire manufacturing companies. But the cost of production was just not competitive anymore because we suddenly we had a military government that didn't just care about look of business. The cost of energy went up even for you to even get even anything you could not be just creating an anti-business climate just because government failed and now see how quietly cascades on the entire fund we tend to see government as too little and that's why even this days, when i see people trying to look like oh i can divorce my life from what's happening in government it's not possible the places we are trying to be the societies that are working in Denmark the US the Canada that is a new fad of everybody because the government is fixed and governance is a critical issue there and the reason why it doesn't work here is because governance is in shambles and that's what i see every day you know and that's where i feel we're not talking about government failing. we're talking about if government fails, lives are failing and so that's why we for me it's something that is always very passionate and if you think about what i've taken as in my own personal mission right now is that how do we get empowered in nigeria with possible the proper information so, they can hold government to account. Because that's the only way we're going to change this society.
0: So, let's talk about when you were in First Bank mm. and you are interacting with lots of public data and you're seeing how that impacts strategy. Mm-hmm. And then you have the light bulb moment mm-hmm. say, okay, we can use this kind of data mm-hmm. publicly. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the move from that, how you transition from First Bank to budget. Mm-hmm. So, you started budget on a part time mm-hmm. basis initially. What made you walk into CCR to even start this? Initially. You
1: see, if I quote the Bible in this podcast, don't think I'm too holy, or too born Just knows that sometimes uh, that's the only way I could always get my message. Think, I believe in what? this book by Martin Luther King called the, the autobiography. It's not by him, but it's a book about him. But it's called the autobiography of Martin Luther King. It's written by some Stanford professors. And he says, there's a part in that book that says he believes in what is called the Zeist, if I'm pronouncing it well. It's called the spirit of times. So, an idea is always right. The time for an idea is always right. The only thing that is missing is who is going to be the bearer of that idea. Which is something I strongly believe in. That Facebook's time was right. Who's going to be the BR of Facebook? Suddenly, the twins, they were interested. Well, at the end of the Mark Zuckerberg was the guy who finally became the BR. So happy believe they were. Budget time as an idea was perfect.
0: Because a lot of things were aligned. And we have a democracy yeah. that has been going on for some time.
1: Digitalization was coming on. Technology. Yes, and we have
0: histories of social activism perfect. that have been built on by several people over Corruption
1: time. Corruption was rife, like as much as you think. People are frustrated that the system is not optimized for them. So the whole lot of factors that conspired to make this work. And that's what... Martin Dakin was saying in that space specifically that this movement will have happened without me. I'm just lucky. I'm able to be part of this old spirit of the times. And this comes back to how did I meet CCO? Someone just sent me an email and say there's been some new guys coming from the UK and he has an idea to start a technology space in Nigeria that if you would like to meet him we are going to meet in one, one club in Ikeja. I said, okay, what am I doing with my life? I packed. I finished my work at Shomolu. I looked for the address and I went there. Rumors, I think it's a club owned by Two-Face in Ikeja. And we sat down. Myself, Boson Tijani was there. Femi Lunga was there. There's a guy called Ayuola Olani. He works with the Okun State government now. There was a lady who worked with fire fire me before. We were all there and we sat down that day. They talked a whole lot of things I didn't understand. But she had an idea idea to start something. Then after a while, I I didn't get back to them. They didn't get back to me. But I traveled. So I saved some money first, bank. I just decided. So I had a failed startup before. Most people don't know that. People like already would know. I had a failed startup call. Green Act, you know, Green Act was supposed to be a climate change, environment, trying of awareness about the people. So that was where I first started. We began this thing and it was going to be the biggest thing we Had Big Dreams. It was always a way of escaping First Bank and the whole thing there. But at the end of the day, nobody was investing in it. Why did
0: that fail? That
1: I, felt, I felt number one we didn't have the requisite knowledge about the thing we were trying to say we couldn't prove that we had the requisite knowledge about what we were doing
0: you didn't have understanding of climate change or, no, we or the impact prove. of it we, we couldn't
1: prove we could only prove that we just read this thing on Google and we're just explaining <laughs> we couldn't show people that really really we understood because it's you know, like we had the masters like okay I could connect what, to what was the thesis
0: what, what, what so, so this the thesis
1: was you should be responsible about the environment Like how you use paper I use energy you know how you should ride a bicycle or you should enter public transport to reduce
0: your impact on the climate change and carbon emissions.
1: Uh, carbon emissions, and uh, maybe um, there was all linkage with sustainability, climate credit, carbon credit system. When was this? This was 2010.
0: Okay because the reason why I asked was I finished my PhD around 2009 on air quality and carbon management I wrote a paper for Lagos State government about how to manage traffic related air pollution but there was no interest in the government to do anything around yeah, that yeah so there was no interest because
1: one day okay, I got to be like, after I met him in church one day I said I told me, you know we're doing this great work I said people are, not, people are hungry people are, people are fed up with this system and you come and say climate change leave climate change for the Oinibo people now you know I just took Okay, with that day, with like a whole big type, like okay. So, I had a colleague whose name is Sukomi, is based in the US now, and we're doing this together. And then, Sukami also was tied with Nigerian system, so he relocated. So, at that point, then I me pursue it, I just let it go.
0: But there was a streak of activism in you, you always have that social activism using enterprise means to do it, right? yeah. Okay, and yeah. you didn't think of joining civil liberty organizations or so continue t- their loot Because most people that do a loot in the university, right? Mm. When they come out, they like you do something like join these mm. kind of organizations.
1: When I did Aluta University and a lot of people would attest to it. And a lot of people worried that I was gonna be this you know, these people that said the school had already bought them over when you're in university, you know, you're just a stooge of the management. People had to have worry about me that I'm not this bow, 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 kind of person. Yeah, I was this time, I said, let's use intellectualism for this. Let's have more proper arguments. Not every day we are burning down the school. no, let's think through, the, you know, let's think through this. It was the first time I tried to do a looter. They arrested me and put me behind bars. <laughs> yeah, I was, was in Imbabi the Okuta, there was no light and I was campaigning for SDG president. And some guy called me and said, ah, you have been campaigning for SDG president. There are no many lights in this area for two. Years. Let's go and protest at Nepal station or PhD, was in Nepal then. We went in protest, I was there. You no know, one, we, we were chatted like 20 um, taxis. When we got there, I just started screaming, greatest Nigerian student ever. <laughs> then the guy looked at me like, who, who is this one? <laughs> <laughs> there was a policeman at the, the Nepal station and when we were all just, just like So he like said, we started roughing with people, started try owning somebody. Like leave this guy now. You had been quiet since why are you know I didn't know that I already seen his colleagues were coming and here to prove a point. So maybe before I knew all the people I we went for in twenty tags, they already disappeared. <laughs> so it was and I was about to disappear so then the police were saying, if you move it, I will shoot you. I said, oh God. This is all what I want
0: for my life now. So you've always had the idea, okay, to actually make a change, you don't have to be making those mini yeah, moves. Yeah, because... There are other ways to do it and organize stuff. Mm. So from your climate change activism startup... Mm-hmm. Which failed. Mm-hmm. I just want to draw some lessons why it failed. So, you so said, number,
1: you one, if, the number one, I felt that we couldn't prove the requisite knowledge about it. Maybe we didn't know enough about what we were saying. Number two, uh, maybe the timing wasn't just right, so we need to just scale back. A lot of people would advise me. Stag Barakwe, Stag Barakwe is the, she doesn't even wear back, she's the special advisor to the Minister of Environment. My best friend, Amzi Lawa. we all style this design. In fact, I love still laugh, I mean that you just abandoned us and you went to this budget life, you know. Because with the young people were trying, but somehow maybe we didn't have the requisite knowledge, we didn't get that right. Number two, I felt that maybe the market wasn't just ready for what we were trying to explain. Number three, I felt like in the societal priorities, it wasn't just there at that time. And it comes back to market readiness. And then maybe we're not persistent enough because I feel like maybe if we gave it more time, you know, maybe we thought about changing our strategy. But, you know, we did this great work. I still have the booklets in my house, the pamphlets we did. But somehow, I just allow you to die.
0: So let's talk about how you started CCF. So you, you didn't, uh, you lost contact or you didn't follow up contact with Basum Tijani after the initial so meeting. So I didn't
1: follow up. On, I went to Kenya for one small day. I was doing this green act thing. Went to one meeting called African Gathering. Then I came back. Then they came back. Someone just told me um, they were having an hackathon. They had an accountant before house and they were having it somewhere in Lagos Business Con in Victoria, Island. I went there, you know, they was in the last... And you're not thing. a tech person? I wasn't a tech person. I just went there, I just sat that... There was a guy who was trying to build up ideas, I shared ideas, and he came third. Uh, and they were so happy to see me because they felt after we'd lost contact, we'd have just forgotten the whole thing.
0: So let's talk about the hackathon stuff. So you went to the hackathon just to look at what is happening. Yeah. You weren't there to participate. No, I wasn't. Because you thought you were not a tech person. I'm, yeah. And hackathon sounds like a tech people coding stuff. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you just went and said, okay, let me just show up yeah, just and sh- just see what is happening. Yeah. So what happened? So the guy came third
1: and I like this idea. What was the idea? It was close to what we're doing right now. It's about tracking local projects in local communities. So it was what he was trying to do forgotten the name now he left uh, he left the country people everybody has his own time of escape you know so maybe all of us are going to escape at a point but he escaped and left then TSEO came back towards the the next election was coming that was 2011 election was coming and they came up with this idea that let's have ideas about technology can change governance. They put it up on social media, it was everywhere. I was sitting out on my desk someday in First Bank. Like, I want to do this thing. I want to participate in this thing. The part of my spirit told me, if you had paid more attention, maybe you could have been their co-founder now. I mean, with the CCUP co-founder. It was, you know, like when you were there you know, at meeting, you had that feeling that you could have started this thing together, like yeah. CCO.
0: Because they have the social impact, Impast, thing, yeah. to, to, it's but not just like,
1: the tech. Yeah, some part of me me, you should have your own idea. So I sat down everywhere, checked online, Googled something, found something in Finland that looks like you' were simplifying the budget. I said, mm, okay, maybe not. It looked like something that was a bit technical for Nigeria, because I didn't know what it was written in Finnish. You know even i met the guy who did it sometime later in finland then i just said okay maybe simplifying the budget for the nigerian people and i applied online
0: that's how you ideated it yeah so it wasn't that oh you've been passionate about budget mm. just okay i want to be part of what is happening with mm. these guys mm. i wanted to make an impact mm. i mean i'm feeling a bit uneasy with my job i mm-hmm. think it's yeah. not going where i want it to go exactly and I'm looking for an idea. Yeah. The reason why I'm teasing this house, a lot of people think that there is only one way for people to come up with great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, it just happened like your mm-hmm. own. Some people actually, they've been thinking about it for a long time. and Somebody mm-hmm. just told them more about it. Mm-hmm. And some people actually taste that in doing in the midst of discussion, and they saw somebody's idea and mm-hmm. they built on that. Yeah. But with you, you, there are a few things you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And you're just looking for that spark yeah. To put into that.
1: Yeah, so was that spark and when I said that he said, Wow, I qualified as part of the top six people.
0: So you applied based on this. based on this simplifying yeah, budget. for Yeah.
1: I said I qualified from the top six people. And I said, Okay, what do we call it? Um call it budget for you. That's what we called it and when we start the first day ah, budget for you that one doesn't look nice so doesn't look sexy <laughs> okay so i sat down with the team then we say and i went to me can i change the name Say said no why not it's an ideation so it's an akathon so you can always change the name so i changed the name to budget and first guy who came who, who that guy is now. The guy came and he designed the website the first day and we was already done. Just like a mock up. I, I
0: Akaton was you have a team around an idea yeah, so and all of you are working on it.
1: Yeah, so give you like a team of five people. No, Jibola was saying it. So come me. Even the guy that we failed on the green night also still followed me to that very awesome guy. He was there. I was there. Then there was two other guys that were there. Uh,
0: do you have tech people in that team?
1: So that was so the first guy that was a tech person who was supposed to be my co founder, did great work on the first day. He was supposed to come back the second day. He never showed up again. He never showed up the second day again. I'm like, where's this guy? So the other guy who was my co founder Joseph, came on the second day. I'm saying, okay. Because it's a three-day event, you had a Thursday, you had a Friday, and we're supposed to make presentation on the Saturday evening. So the first Thursday, we didn't even do much. So on Thursday, we were supposed to be, it did it did work. On Friday, wasn't Joseph came? I started doing something. I'm started adding things together. What was he doing? So we just built a, you know, a very ugly site, you know, and said, okay, this is what we have, right? Just to show to the judges because they were, they we're not even thinking of budget. We think we're just winning the prize money. there was the first prize was. $1,500. Dollars. Dollars. No, dollars was 150 then. It's not like now. You know? And, and the second was $1,000. Then the third was 500 But they told us they were going to give us half of the money. Because there was a guy that gave the whole money. He said he paid tight. He gave his mother the rest <laughs> and disappeared. So they already said, we we'll only get half. When we perform, then we we'll get the remaining half. So, so when they went for the judging, we came second. I'm like, I don't like coming second, you know? because I know when I lost the SUG position in university, I was really, really down. You know, I'm like, I don't like losing. But somehow you lose to really take lessons and to really humble yourself to really understand how human you are. And when I we came second, one guy, I was almost frustrated. I'm like, give me all these things. I'm going back to my bank work because I even took two days off from work to do all of this work. then The your Life is late now. He called me that day. And the he says, young you don't know what you're doing. You don't understand the power of what you have." He you know, said me that when he was working in G. Then he, say, he called me and said, "You don't know the power of what you're doing because everybody's idea. You look at it, it all; seems sound, sound similar. Your idea is the one that stands out, unique here. Why don't you take your time, reflect, and do it?" So I went to his so office. We did like three mentorship sessions in his office in G. It's late and it's so sad because you know and I'm sure he's proud of what we are doing now. When we came up, we we just launched, and after we collected the money, we disappeared
0: you disappeared.
1: I shared the money with him.
0: With your other co founder? Yeah,
1: we shared the money. Okay, the money was two thousand. Winning prize three thousand. Second prize was two thousand. Third prize was one thousand. So they gave us one fifty thousand. My co founder came one day and said he needed money for something.
0: Did you meet your co founder at the, uh, yeah, the Akato? Yeah. And you just worked on it together just to win the prize? Just to win go. the prize
1: and go. Yeah, that's what we planned. We didn't plan to have budget, just to win the prize and go. And I came to me after like two, three or four days. I needed some money for something. Can I lend you 50000 out of the hackathon? So I gave him. Somehow the 100000 as a broke person, first bank broke, but 100000 was I... finished. Then we we gave up.
0: How did I move on to become budget as we know it today?
1: We shared the money. We forgot the idea. You forgot the idea. Yeah, we, you left it. We left it. We didn't touch it again. And it,
0: five of you started this thing. Mm. And then two of you so shared. So
1: because we didn't plan to do anything with the money. money was just there. Then we. Then after a while, just only one person, Jibola. Every other person also didn't care. It was only Jibola that was following up. Which Jibola? There was a guy called Jibola of Saini. It was part of the hackathon. In your group? Him, in the group. And he followed up we us. Then he, when he saw that, that oh, our interest was not that solid as he thought, then he also backed down. Then so it was now me and Joseph. And then Joseph came to me. We didn't even know what we we're going to do with the money because what we planned was that we we're going to build the website, use the money. Was that was what CC upset? He wanted. And this was two thousand and eleven. This was two thousand and eleven. And Bosun came to me and said, "If you do this work well," he called me one day. He just said, actually, meet him up someday in the, at uh, UJ's in the National Stadium. So if you do this work well, you can get on that money like five thousand pounds. Say okay, but I don't know. He said, "But just launch and do something." But sincerely. I went back, I went back to my banking. I was not so certain about what we we're going to end up this. What was I thinking? Okay, when we start now, this is under green acts. And uh, when, when you get confirmation in the bank, they give you confirmation money, they give you bonuses. And, you know, all my money, I spent it on trips to Kenya, looked for partners, did flyers. There was an event we had in Yaba. It was a big event. We did all of those stuff, but nobody was. So in my summer, I was a bit worried again. I will just call Joseph. If you can just put up something together as a website, just to make the CCO people happy, so that it doesn't look like we collected money and we we ran away. Then someday something happened. Someday I was just checking the news. I just found that Omidia Network was going to invest two hundred thousand dollars in CCO. So I called Joseph. Say come. This thing is not a joke. This boy is serious. I said what do you mean. Say they're going to give these people two hundred thousand dollars to build a proper hub. You know, because they didn't have a hub. There was no Yabba then. They were using a makeshift place in Lagos Business School. And they were going to launch and we have not even done anything. You collected 50,000, I can't account for the 100,000. We've all moved on. We need to do something. So I went on social media, asked everybody, you know, to of my salary, who can design graphics? And there was a lady at your, daily of it of it's where she's basically she's a writer but she's someone that just wanted to do anything and she said i can design she designed some things i didn't like but say okay well it's fine and just brought up a website to also rushed up and say okay let me redeem myself for the 50,000 i took and I did the, okay. so
0: the initial investment in ccl by omedia network was a catalyst for you to think hmm, there's something big here
1: so, because i felt like i also i them so serious i can't lie feel like Okay, maybe they will do another hackathon. So we are gonna win, they're gonna share another one thousand dollars.
0: You're not sure about what they're what they were
1: do. doing. You no, know? and so when look like they had an investment of 200,000 for media. And they were going to have a space in Yaba. And he called me that day. Person always calls me. But someone is the co-founder. And you should speak to him. It's an amazing story guy. Yeah. He called me and said, come to Nightel Building in Marina. And when he called me there, he showed me the place. Say, said, would this place be nice for a hub? I said, yeah, it's not bad. But Marina, you want to face traffic again to do this hub. I don't think it's right. But he was also thinking through it. Then he called me one day in Yaba. This was something that changed my mind also. So a lady called me that someone from the World Bank was coming to see up was still not yet set up. They just only paid for a floor. The song was coming from World Bank to say it. Okay. The lady came and asked you, and I spoke all of English. No, I'm very... I spoke good English. said everything. Can you show me the idea? Ah,
0: Oh, by that time, you were being positioned as part of the CC of a product product. that that I've been giving
1: money to. Yeah, that I've been giving money for the Mm. But Can you show me the idea? And I said, I'm still building. And that thing struck me that sincerely, we have not built anything. You know, because... If anybody told me there's anything called non-profit grants, I didn't even I didn't even know it. I just knew that people did activism, but nobody paid for things like that. They Didn't see it. So immediately they got our funding. I know that these people were serious. And Boston said, "Yeah, I told him my congratulations." He said, "Yeah, I told you we're serious." And I, don't forget that I gave you an offer of five thousand pounds. If forget about even the remaining price of the money, which is a thousand, if you're able to launch something substantial, you will still get additional support of five thousand pounds. We have the money, but I need to be certain that you really want to do this. So I said, okay. Then we, we built something. Then one they called it, that we're going to open up CC up. You know, I'm, I'm just a person that had this guilt in me that I can't collect $1,000 and I show up with nothing. So I just felt, we can't just go and tell this guy that we didn't do anything. So I went back to him. we been open and truthful and be I went back to him and said, Okay, uh, Joseph, what can we do in another three days just to make look good to this guy? Maybe we can lunch and forget him on the next. They went back to me and they had this, we always had vigils in CC up there. You know, we start in the night. Maybe like I was even saying, let's turn this into a church. Okay. So this, because this, you're walking all through the yeah, night. this is where we work and we have they have we we'll call it cold party, you know. There's always drink water, you know, somebody DJ, you know. They say we wanted to have a cold party that night. Overnight. And This was still open new and said I should demo what I've been doing and demoed it. I said, Yeah, this is good enough. You can launch with it. I said, No, we said, No, you can launch with this. This And what was it? It was a dark website. I just two graphics that just said, This is the Nigerian budget, like a whole circle. And then you branch 3,000. So this is education. This is health. This is. Power. This is
0: government. There were no interactive data. Don't it was interactive. just representation of the data.
1: Yeah, finished. That was all we. Did. Where were
0: you getting the data from?
1: The budget was already on the budget office website, so I just picked it from there. Did the analysis, gave it to the graphic person. She wasn't in, bad I was paying to her on phone and did it. And we just Joseph just placed it on it. Nobody's Zoom Latin, and it was a bit complex. It didn't work out, but we launched it. The said no. Don't become the king of local host. You know you have had this thing locally. Launch it. Put it up on there. Something. And next thing, it was a very action guy. He told you that like we're going to have a press conference in another week. I said, eh, seriously? Said, no. So I was going to call the press guys. The press guys came. Then we launched. And even though the press, not only one person published the story, it was at the end of the day, I didn't have anything to. I didn't have any envelope to give to give to the yeah, press. Yeah. So at the end of the day, was one guy from. It's not. It's not air out. Was just one very backwater newspaper i finally thought okay some guy just launched something you know and I told somebody, oh, nobody talked about it Nobody i didn't see it in this day God, they-. So don't worry once you have a name for yourself they will come calling and gradually that's how we started
0: so you launched our website mm. and you had the press conference mm. which again wasn't going anywhere but then you launched something yeah so your name is attached to something yeah. so it's not just you collecting money privately you now have something attached to your name and you're still working Full yeah. time.
1: Yeah, because I, I just didn't understand how... Are like, you're going to make money. How I'm going to make money, who's going to pay for all of this. You know, when you work First Bank, you don't steal money. There's nothing that says you're going to be sacked. You know, because somehow... You have job security. Job security, my mom liked that. Because my mom said we have suffered too much. My son has a job in First Bank. Yeah, then you now say you don't want to work again. So, you know. The day I told her, <laughs> the day she found out that she left First Bank, she went to Prayer Mountain. She was there for two, three days. Pray. To pray for you. Yeah, yes. Finally some people got into uh the enemy has taken over.
0: You know. <laughs> Let's stop and take a quick break. We'll be right back there's no single pathway to entrepreneur success. Most of the entrepreneurs I've interviewed on this podcast have gone through unique ways to reach their goals, but there are similar milestones along the journey. There are common questions every entrepreneur should address as they build their business. How do I find an idea I should pursue? How do I validate the idea? How do I build the product? How do I launch it? How do I find and reach customers? How do I grow revenue and scale? How do I build community? around my product? How do I build a team that we execute? How do I raise money? These are the fundamental questions every entrepreneur should be asking. The Hustle Bootcamp program will help you tackle these questions. The Hustle Bootcamp is an intensive five-week online program for high-performing individuals who want to build profitable, scalable, and fundable business in Africa. This is not your average online course. It is a coaching program. Everything in the course is designed designed towards enabling you to launch your new business or innovate an existing one. We are prioritizing transformation over information. There are five models in the program and they will be delivered over video along with worksheets, action plans and step-by-step guides. But more importantly, every week during the program, I'll be hosting live office hours Q&A where we'll be breaking down key aspects of the course and I'll have some of the guests from this podcast in the live Q&A. If you really want to build scale, or get funding for your own business. This is the program for you. Registration is now open and I will be closing it very soon. We have very limited seats. Go to thehustlebootcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-U-S-T-L-E bootcamp.com. Thehustlebootcamp.com and register now
1: because she would feel like it was only my dad god bless his soul this late now that god is this you and be a man of yourself you know this is what you choose to do with your life go ahead it might not be working out right now but you you know, just give me that benefit of doubt let's talk
0: about that transition okay. when you launch a website and it's working a bit and it's only five thousand dollars that was guaranteed and you have a job what made you go to that transition i understand that you had um you were part of that shocker fellowship at that point and so there's a bit of some money but what was the move like especially for people who are listening now who are finding out to move from that full-time employment to pursuing entrepreneurship
1: so for one year i was in budget because the hackathon was in march we didn't launch until september that's why i tell you that we had a long while practically didn't do anything so we launched september 13 2011 I left First Bank September 30, 2012. So I had one year I was working at the bank and doing budget um Because I was not just certain. I had so many doubts leaving. And between that time, I already went to Future Awards. I went to Future Awards in like May 2012. I already had a Shocker Fellowship. And when I had a Shocker Fellowship, they asked me, okay, you're going to have this fellowship, but you can't be doing another work and have this fellowship. So a Fellowship guarantees you salary for three years.
0: Whatever you're doing, whatever
1: you're doing, they guarantee you salary for three years, and it's a good time because I was earning one thirty-seven thousand naira then. Shaka was willing to pay me five fifty thousand naira per month, so I'm like, ha, still So just <laughs> so I'm going to get out. Of this <laughs> but the problem was that I got a Shaka. God bless Bengasi. So yesterday was the one that nominated me for a shocker. I got a Shaka, but there was so much difficulty in the paperwork. The thing is, they were overestimating that I was working in a bank and I was going to be earning eight hundred maybe one million naira per month because a showcast model is not static. They don't pay you don't pay everybody the same thing. They pay you based on what they assume would be your needs. So someone could be a fellow and then four hundred thousand. Someone could be a fellow and then one million. There's always a negotiation to understand what's the status at that point. So I guess they assumed that a banker he would need so much money to drop all these dream banking dreams. You know, and you know that I was just one low fat there just looking for one small... <laughs> So for one year, they were still trying to sort out the paperwork. Even though I had the promise in paper, but the money was not in my accounts. I still did not believe. But it was clear. My was around, around Occupy, Nigeria, in in January 2012. We were the we ones providing all those data or budget data. Remember, Jonathan was trying to hype up for a price. People we're asking him, Look at your budget, look how lavish you are spending on your budget. You want us to accept all of this blame? And we're checking Gushi Rice, they're using one million on to eat our sorok every day. You know, all of data came from what were things we did. We did they help that broke down the budget. We did a whole lot so of so
0: you're things. challenging the government mm-hmm. based on the whatever they're talking about with empirical data to say this is not
1: this is not, yeah, this is that like you say we should pay
0: extra burden yeah. by paying more for of fuel well. but look at your own lifestyle we're going to go into that because mm-hmm. there's a big part of this conversation about what budget is actually doing but I just want you to get into that story of how you start and how you, you moved on into that so, and then what did you do next so immediately
1: I got I had a, shocker, I had a backbone but was not clear because money wasn't clear I didn't one future award so it was a validation already on ground that this is so a to but now called me something, sent me a DM and why didn't you just resign? I know you are worried that you'll be hungry. I said, yeah, I'm worried because I worked in the bank and they don't have savings. We were just four in the family. My dad got his job back but it's not like I've lost all those fantasies of the richest man in the world. So he want me to get out. of this? And he said, leave. Somehow it's going to work out. You know, so already around May and when the promotion list came out again for the third time and I wasn't promoted, I'm like, okay, everything is working out right now to leave you know you know and so may i thought we had a colleague his name is scott simpson he told me he has a startup called canon crested now we shared emails we shared ideas i wish first one when they go and dig into what, they, what we were saying there you know sharing a whole lot of things to say it was just giving me a lot of confidence so at the point september i gave up i said i was going to leave but then budget already had more than twenty thousand followers on social media budget
0: already and no full-time staff had, I had the full time. your co-founder I had the, so my co-founder
1: was still ad hoc was always in and was now. working
0: f- full-time somewhere so as well. somewhere
1: else I Had someone her name is miriam she still works she's our head of finance now she was the only full-time staff she was in cc if we need to do a lot work on data we just hire volunteers on social media we just mine the data so she was the only full-time staff we had so i always transit maybe during break or close early good So i always my life was closing the work office at four o'clock go to Sisyub and stay there. Sisyub closes by nine, so you had another four hours to close up. And there. at that point,
0: what was the operations like? You were crunching data.
1: So the operations was crunch data simplified do infographics, tweet it, look for data, simplifies infographics, tweet it, you know, share ideas, share data people have never even thought about. We talk about export, prison, we talk about just everything that has to be data about entry, and we're building that stimuli people, and everybody was interested.
0: Let's talk about the inflection point for you. When did budget actually take off? I mean, you, you resigned, you started working, but when was it that it became, this is big, what was that moment or what happened?
1: I guess it was the Occupied Nigeria movement, and which is why I was also in the bank, was Occupied Nigeria movement because whatever we've been doing, people like FIFA, I mean, you know, a few of them knew. They were excited about you. They were excited the early days we started. Like, yeah, people talk rubbish on Twitter. This is a guy or this is a platform that can give us the data as it is, you know. So everybody was looking for something that say, okay, go and meet budget. Whatever budget says on this issue, we accept. You know, it was in that point, you know. Then suddenly Occupied Nigeria came. And we're saying, okay, this is how much the president is spending on wildlife management. This is how much the state house is spending on, on feeding itself. This is how much is he spending. This is how much the ministry is spending on buying software. This is how much a ministry is Where were is you getting this data from? From the budget. So the budget was already on the website of the budget office, but nobody was looking at it. So it was like the data was there, but nobody was simplifying or analysing it or extracting or making sense out of it. So when we were able to do that on a very scale. And... It became an old song of the Occupy Nigeria thing. Then I felt, yes, it looks like there's a need here. There is a need here. And if we really, if I really sit down, you know, there's a huge opportunity here. So I guess that was when it started. But then it wasn't like there was no money. It was still, the last ones we had, there was uh, 5,000 pounds. that bought some promise to me that we we're going to get. So that was the only thing we got there. That's
0: the only thing you got? Yeah. And, and you ran occupy nigeria campaign with that money hiring people yeah we did
1: that with and
0: and we didn't, because that time
1: they had to developers where because it was a new space it was energy was there you know, Chuka Ofili, Shola Jai, Shegu Fodeke were developers in the hub and they built a solution course called Budget Cut App which allowed people to make cuts to the budget. So it was like the budget is bigger, we are reduced 200 to So you're very interactive. Well, they built an interactive store on a very short notice of 48 hours. You know, amazing people and it gave us that huge jump. You know, people had not seen things like that before and was really, really interested.
0: So again, when I said at the beginning, mm. if anybody ever doubted the impact of hubs like Up mm. or hackathons or even events like this, mm. you are an answer to that, where people can come together to use technology, community mindset, and that just coming together to solve big problems.
1: Yeah, because I couldn't even have money to afford these people. So they came up and Boston said, let's get this thing together. Let's build something for this guy, because it's shown not Don't forget that. Since we about two archetypes, there, a potential 12 startups could have come out of it. But at least each account had six people, three winners. And out of the 12, we were the only one that looked like we we're making sense out of everything. It was marketing, that was analyzing that maybe about 12,000 people applied to do development. Maybe he asked 50 now. He's narrowed everybody to 50 now. It tells you how. And we just were the only So there was a two year of enthusiasm even within the space, you no, know, to make it work. And, you know, I was also willing because I felt like this could be that break I was looking for and this could be that exit I was finding.
0: So let's talk about budget now. Okay, so you move from that 5,000 to raising millions now. Before we talk about your raise, what was the business model from the start? Was it you knew that this is going to be like a civil activism using technology or social enterprise or you think maybe we can make money at some point? So from the
1: get go, I didn't understand anything of donor funding. I didn't even see it as big or whatever it was. But Yemi Adam Olegun just said, No, you're doing great work. We did occupy Nigeria together. Let me introduce you to someone to help us even fund something. And some guy came and said, okay, we could give you $30,000 to start. A person or no, an organization? the organization. The guy was my open society. Open society. Yeah, so we could give you 30000 to start. And I promised them the world. I promised them I'm going to reach 10 million people. They were going to do. You no, know, something like $30,000? Like, $30, $30,000, you had a bet on me for $30,000. I promised them, the world. Even the guy we still joke about it today because they're still part of our funders. You know, when we got that money, did excellent with it and it came back again. And he came back with an offer of 150000
0: And you are already full-time then? By the, you,
1: time, by the time we got 30000 I was running full-time. And
0: so you can draw some salary? So I could
1: draw some salary. And the shocker, was also not still on board then. But it finally came around that period too then. So I got out, you know, he came back with an offer of 150000 And I said, oh. So then I started i like, seriously, people can invest in something like this? What are they going to get back? With no return? equity? With no equity, what are they going to get back in return? You know? But it's been great, it's been great since. And at a the point then we thought about sustainability. Because at a point when we do infographics and they were good, people came back to us and said, Oh, we need to do infographics for something. Something that has to do nothing with the budget. And we will charge them for it. I said, Okay, well then let's create a whole business out of this. You know, one of our clients recently was Union Bank for their Hundred years year. Let's keep, it open. even though we don't try to shout it, because we still feel we don't. Know if you know, banks don't do anything wrong tomorrow. I don't. I'm not saying we you don't know because of the brand. You're very careful about budget is what people know it to be a civic brand. So if we're going to say we're doing business, you still have to be very very careful. Because that's before anything, you no. Know? And so but now we're trying to even by the next year we're trying to all fully spin it off and allow a it to spin have spin
0: off a, a business making. And,
1: and allow it have it life up. Because we've done so much on the ground, mobile, different lot of clients we've done. You no, know? but now it's like okay, let's spin up because do infographics, do designs, web development, that's to be use of data. The only people we've rejected have been government. We don't even I don't still allow the business guys to take projects from government. It's because I also know how
0: Because you are always trying to Put, make them accountable, accountable. so you don't want them to be your client mm. so two things one is how much did you raised afterwards and how much have we raised in total so far uh, so this is how
1: we raise money in budget we do three year raises so the first time we raised we raised 400,000 that was a four. then that means not, that's not all the money we've got because as you go along the way, people will still bring projects to you that you're going to execute on their behalf.
0: Okay, you can work on specific projects. Mm. So an organization says, we want to have some stuff done here I and mean, we think you are the one that can execute it. We are the donor. We give you the money. So it's not really like raising, like startup raising. It's basically work on this project based on this money. Yeah.
1: Okay. The reason for us to have a balance to say if donor stops funding us this time, this is the money that we can go for and work on. And, use. and that
0: rate is its not equity. It's not equity. It's grants. It's
1: grants, uh, yeah. It's, there's, some, there's a quality impact investment. To do your
0: operations. To, to do
1: your operations. So okay, we so rate, you raised $400, And then? To so raise four hundred twenty fourteen in 2014 with the media alone. Recently, we raised three million with Omidia and Gates Foundation.
0: Bill and and Melinda Melinda Gates Gates Foundation. Foundation.
1: Yeah, they and Omidia are the biggest funders. And then we now continue with Open Society, the MacArthur, and and the rest of this world. So that's what we've raised. So,
0: Bill and Melinda Gates and Omidia Network. Mm. Put in $3 million. Mm. And what was the expectation behind this? So the
1: expectation is that we're going to reach more people. We're going to build more engagement. We have project tracking in 20 states right now. We are going to support government more. There's this open government partnership. in is trying to you know, be more transparent. We're going to support government by engaging them, by informing them, by educating them on things they're supposed to do. Gates was around states. They wanted us to have much more impact in states because for them it's universal investment thinking they want to give grants to states but they want to do it from a position of data the state is asking you to give him money or money or our money and says we want money from gates foundation to support our health issues to support our health funding and you don't even have any data at the state level you don't even know what to support so their own support came from a direction of Can you help us to get states to be much more stronger in terms of fiscal? Even show them that this is where your fiscal lies. And second thing, can you also help us with some health-related data so that we can also know a proper way to invest?
0: uh, What would you say to people that say, okay... Sharon, you're collecting money from people mm-hmm. outside the country to put government on their toes in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. That's opening yourself to external influence and you're a stooge to the Americans and mm-hmm. to all these people that have different opinions and different objectives as well. What would you say to that?
1: The first thing is, uh, number one, we have this independence of thoughts and things we do. Uh, nobody has come and say, you have to do it this way. So if it doesn't fit, we just walk away. We've walked away a lot of times. If it doesn't fit... That's the first thing that we must first get. We, the, we have our own core principles of what we want to do. I want to make sure that whatever is coming fits into that. The second part is that freedom, equity, efficiency, governance. These principles are universal. So it's not about someone tell you something you're supposed to do. You took public money, account for it. There's nothing that looks like you've been someone's student. that. Public resources, societal resources. Because the way we treat government, we treat government as if a master and a servant relationship this is like someone you sent on an errand to buy your paper at that's the relationship so and if he goes to ingo to buy paper you need to ask him did you, what did you buy did you buy a did you buy this what did you actually buy that's way and so when we talk about being somebody's too the f- all ideas of transparency accounts, these are universal principles just used last week the u.s pulled out from the extractive transparency initiative that's the u.s then you think it's like people that are doing something in antithesis, yeah, to what even do you think that those are the values that they promote. Because the new guy who is there as president thinks big money, big oil, and feels all those transparency thing gets in the way. So they're scaling back. So some of the times it's not just about we're worried about. Oh, people say, oh, they take money from me. Tony Lumelu funded budgets. a particular time most people don't know yeah it was even the whole idea that he had of the five thousand dollars he was budget and some stars was his first guinea pig true cc up you know and he supported at the time first time he did the five thousand the tip when one that did all these designs did all the data analysis for him did all the that's all People, we still just have rich people whose business are not just closing link with government. So someone, for them to now turn around and say, we don't start criticizing the same government. Maybe they don't have that boldness yet. I,
0: I understand that. It's just that there is... Uh, like in Russia it's that mm. bit about all external funded NGOs mm. are being looked upon as saboteurs and I can understand where you're coming from but is there something that can be done whereby some of this money that you're raising could be done from Nigerians who probably are a democratized way of people p- putting money into budgets or donor I'm putting 1000 per month to support budget because they're helping me to understand my data and understand what yeah. the government is doing
1: you're right you're right two things I'll think of number one is Either you take debt, you take equity, you take a grant. There's value that someone sees, and that's what the person invested in. It. When we start seeing people like budget, that we're investing in values, there's a value that Mr. Gates or Mr. Superior Media sees in budget. That's why he invested in budget or supports budget, because he believes that if you're not creating any globalized world, and if you don't have stable and accountable societies here, the whole problem bounces back into those whatever shield you have put around yourself. So there's a value everybody's investing in. So we should not take away the fact, which is the same way we would worry that, why well, are all the Andelas, sell the engines of this world? Why is that? Until recently, when we had the last round for Andela, that's when we begin to see Nigerian investors leading a, a round. It was all about, if you see Pagaris money, if you check the lease, it was all foreign money. Same thing with Andela, the same thing with hotels. Even the same thing with TCO. You know, it's a problem that we don't take bets on our young people. Budget can be well funded by lots of billionaires, or lot of millionaires in Nigeria. But who is willing to take that bet?
0: Uh, and I understand that as well
1: because and now if we now say, okay, how are we gonna get us now get local money. people to even to yeah. support? I agree, but see, there are very few structured foundations for all of these things. Yeah. You find that most things that you call CSR in Nigeria can stick is just because we need to take photo ops and so if you have people who have structured, and tony is illuminated someone that is trying to position themselves in that way to say i only focus on young entrepreneurship and this is the space i will stop you know it's only when i see a lot of times most of the foundations are not structured and so, and you see this fourth foundation the open society the gates foundation, even if the founder drops dead today they're so structured in a way that they'll be going for the next hundred years so we also need to come that when it comes to foundations and charity, we have not come to that. We're not in that space where we have philanthropists who are really well really structured. I've had issues in Nigeria. The budget makes it sweet, or says something and somebody's calling the representative of a funder here and say, I'm sure on that thing you said, some guy just called me and we didn't feel right. Now, you could understand our mindsets. When, even when we support people and we don't like their ideas, we tend to believe that we have a hold. It gets me a bit worried. You know, but I think the... End game for us is to start reducing our portfolio of foreign funds that come to us and start thinking within that business. And that's why we're trying to take the business and more serious as we go on. So
0: to make money and you know, not depend on funders. Yeah. But I also get the point that if you're raising money only from Nigerians, there is that thing that you talked about, which is you hold government accountable. It's a party to the guy that's funding you and called him in his golf club and say, talk to that Sheung boy mm-hmm. to shut down that stuff. Like, that's what happened to next two, three, four, right? Mm-hmm. They raised most of their money in Nigeria, and there were people that just said, you Don't cannot give, be saying that you kind You be stuff. giving them adverts.
1: And I always say to myself, public resources are sacred to me. That's why I say, that you just can't be dipping your hands in money that has been kept in trust. It's like you walk in a bank. You can't just go and say, because they put in charge of the vault, and you go and open it, and you go and be using it to do a one It's not. But that's what you see Nigerian politicians do. They don't understand the value of the trust that's been kept in them.
0: So do you think you can make more impact that way later on as a politician or in government than this becoming, I mean, I'm talking about this as budget, becoming huge and massive platform that holds government accountable?
1: <laughs> so that's why I say not now. Maybe I think six, seven, eight years down. Even there. at six,
0: seven, eight years, budget would have become a bigger yes, platform. Yeah, someone else to lead it. I don't have to lead budget forever in my life.
1: I want to also... Be able to build an organization. You can see full steam. I've been running budget since 2012. That means I've done it for five years now. The last year of October. So if I give it another five years and build a much more bigger, stronger organization by why not? I could step back and let someone with fresh energy do it.
0: So we can see a politician, she won't be there at some point.
1: But It's very possible. Yeah. But let's say politician, just say maybe appointee. And if it's going to be a politician, why not? See, I had an uncle who wants to run for governor in 2019. And I went to meet him. And I asked him, "You want to run for governor, sir? Which party are you on?" And he says, "If I run in the current party system that you know, the popular ones, the PDP and the APC, I might be a good guy. It's like you have a meal, a grinding meal. You put tomato at the top. You don't get tomato when it comes down. You know, to squeeze you and turn you to a mash at the end of the day.
0: So what will you do about that? Or what? Will That's why he's doing?
1: thinking of a protest contest. Let me take another party and do it my own way." I would have offered myself as an alternative to the people. And maybe that's something to keep start trying.
0: With a probability of losing? a Higher of, probability of losing? Yes, because somehow we need to show the people that they are part
1: of the problem. And maybe one way of the other, we can look at Macron. He left the entire establishment and crafted the whole thing for himself, crafted a new party for himself, and is not able to dictate how he wants to run his whole thing. But somehow, this entrenched bureaucracies that we have found in these fifth terms called political parties, it Chokes the critical thinking that can transform Nigeria. The people that are going to give it to you as ministers or as commissioners or as special advisors or special assistants, they don't share the same ideology. With that's their own one ticket to being a millionaire. And so you put them there, they're only just fending for themselves. And this is how gradually you find out that the whole you that had vision, that had ideas at the beginning, suddenly becomes a different person at the end product. And so that's why, for me, I feel that's why we need to start organizing our thinking. We can't always be that binary thinking that we're going to say that APDP we need to start thinking through we want to have a political party that believes in transparency and accountability and that is what's going to be our guiding philosophy and everybody that's believes that he's going to lose an election on that. Everybody's going to, this is the person I'm voting for because that's the person that aligns with my value system.
0: And there's a place where, like you said at the beginning of this conversation about an idea coming at a time and somebody leading the movement, I think Macron came at the right time. I think there's a place where we're getting to in this country where technology is enabling and democratizing access to a lot of things, including political power. Because before now, the power only exists with some people. They are the gatekeepers. And I think there's a place where technology is actually democratizing that and disrupting that. And in the future, we might have and the future could be five, ten years because these things happen so fast sometimes. And I think it's
1: going to happen soon. I've been next election, but somehow you will find someone who defy the entire establishment, who in on his own record and his own belief, and the people are going to say, "You know what? We have had enough of you, traditional people,
0: politicians." There's this... We just hope that person will not be another Trump. No, <laughs> this... because Trump was like there's that, there's there's
1: this... right? because they say there's a, a story of Pablo Escobar. Uh, they call them the men of now you know these are about what they so we're going to have these men of now As men of every season or something like that you know we're going to have them exit and have fresh thinking in government that i'm thinking government should be serviced you are a also remember you were a commissioner he became a senator then you're running for governor you're not bored, you still want to be, is it, is it that you love Nigeria so much?
0: Yeah, but you, you could say, I get that, but you could say that there's a part of that experience, gathering experience and gathering merit and being able to know, okay, I solved problem locally, I'm not doing it as a then senator, should, and I have that experience to become president and do it. So, so, but you would not find great examples, like because if we're
1: going to ask ourselves, how many politicians of today are going to be our, our, our own role models? You know, I mean, people have been iconic thinking that would say because they were, they, they had a consistent track record because they were a minister, they were far excellent and they became a governor, they were very excellent and they moved up, up or down. I mean, you would at least struggle to take one. So even if you felt you were, you were no one has been that great for us. So for me, I feel until we're able to get people of nobody and we're going to harmonize our thinking, I don't feel that within the current system that we are, we can do anything revolutionary.
0: And is that a place for platform like budget to governize that opinion and governize that kind of movement or like uh, enough is enough Nigeria to governize not just towards informing but towards action and a political movement. It could
1: be. I mean I- talk to Yemi about it. Somehow we need to no I don't think budget will be ideal because we are more Data, simplifying, engaging, informing people. And yeah. you know, a lot of people would be. But yeah,
0: it could be. Here could it's interesting, be. I met Yami last Sunday when they both together. Oh, no. Nice. Sometime.
1: Yeah, it would be. And it's something to start thinking because we have the numbers. You know, the only problem is that we doubt ourselves so much. You know, we doubt ourselves. We don't believe that we have enough numbers, enough courage to actually take down the establishment. We need to shock people. You know, because there's so much familiarity with that space, people have lost respect for public service people say i'm the constitutional authority yeah what is that or people will someone go you know at the expense of when you have people are in pain you go and start building up statues or flood people up and down the first person you gave us started to add almost 700 charges of corruption facing him you know the second person has an election in liberia that is still inconclusive till now so some sort of way we still and it is important that we come up you know and say this is enough that for me that's the dream of budget in fact that, maybe not the dream of, but that's my own personal dream
0: that's what i was about to ask what's the future like for as you see budget the ideal future and the impact and the place of platforms like budget in the nigerian future
1: so if i'm going to break it down so budget does four things now one we provide budget access to the people we're trying to simplify the budget people on social media offline we have of presence in 22 states where we give documents of the project. Two, we we'll track those projects with the community. So, we've got over three hundred projects built. We have a platform called Tracker that allows people to track projects. And you can go there also find projects in your own communities and be able to track. Thirdly, we we'll do some work around extractive industries. Nigeria, sadly, you're going to talk about just fiscal issues with that oil. So, we're trying to engage institutional issues, personally, about maybe less about people. Fourth thing is what we call institutional build government agencies that are willing, media, civil society, supporting them to be much more better. And I guess where we are going is linked to the first and the fourth objective. Mm-hmm. Fourth objective is do that on a wider scale. You know, reach people in every single country. We want to start some advertising now. Very unusual for we see an NGO advertise. But we want to start some advertising now. TV or radio, you know, be able to reach more people to say There's a platform for you to be able to do, see the budget or engage or find out about it. So we want to do that now. now. So we, the f- the goal is which more Nigerians?
0: Would you do that ahead of the election to hold them accountable, people that want to get re-elected and saying that uh, we're going to do X, Y and Z and say, okay, hey, hang on, before you go on, what did you do with the money that la- the last time before you started asking? Yeah, So yeah. do you want to do that? Yep. And I and they say, they say right after that question mm-hmm. is that when you start doing that... Wouldn't there be some talk about, hey, you are working for the opposition, whoever the opposition is?
1: No, we're used to that. Every time I work for the opposition. I mean, where in Lagos, you say you are working for PDP. Federal government, they say that was before. They say you are working for APC. But somehow, you know, that perception won't run away. For the elections, two things worry I me. Mean, one is people don't understand the value of their votes. Most especially at the grassroots. I mean, most especially for us, we feel we are middle class. We don't go out and vote. Every day, Nigerians just don't see the budget as a ritual or as a presentation. They see it as an opportunity to check. What exactly? is in for me and they go ahead and demand that those projects happen that's for me is the goal i see in budget on a wide scale i mean every nook and crane of nigeria fourthly it's also become an enabler in the space that's one of the things we're doing right now is to say a lot of people want to be like shewning been a lot of people was trying to run ideas like budget there's a guy who's currently from called Gavo. now he's got like six people awaiting trial got them released in fact yesterday they got a girl who like three band of guys were about to rape and she had to draw a bottle against them injured one of them and the police arrested her for assault. they didn't even listen to the rape case but they alleged case. they just alleged and they locked her in our go to the prisons for almost six weeks you know and finally got her bill because they won't charge her to court you know stimulating young people like that
0: so there could be a lot of budget. Facing other transparency issues, yeah, like uh, criminal justice, criminal
1: justice, like uh, fiscal governance, criminal justice, Could have issues around gender, gender equality. People who also, like me, five, six, seven years ago, also had ideas that could transform governance, finding a nest and opportunity for them, and also using our own
0: networks to scale them. So there's huge opportunity for a platform like Budget,
1: yeah, you, to solve those
0: kind of it's, and getting more people to do it like yeah, Budget, because
1: somehow we found out that. Our work is not in isolation. If we're going to really scale this work, we need more voices and we need more young people who make up we make use of your little corners to transform Nigeria. And I guess that's where we have a space in Yaba called Civic Hive now. It's an incubation space, like four months old. It's an incubation space. We have four startups there. I think we should raise them to six very soon. And, and they are civil
0: technology. Civic tech, right. Civic so
1: one te- is working on criminal justice. One is working on rural-based journalism. The other one is working on, on providing critical medical supply. People we have serious chronic issues. They don't even know where they can get drugs. So it's trying to build an open open store, critical medical supplies. And the fourth one is trying to help track missing persons. Missing persons? Yeah, it's called locate.ng. So rather than just say if someone is missing and we forget, we're keeping track of what finally happens, what are the stories, what are the lessons we can take, talking to their family, find out if the person is ever found or you know so it's doing that called locate.ng it's the same way you worry about how this of these guys gonna make money and that's the same way i worried like five six years ago how am i going to make money
0: but they can follow your example and you and can somehow, give them the support yeah, that ccup gave you yeah and somehow maybe they,
1: some insight opens up and they find that there's an opportunity to provide valuable mm. we want to start
0: somehow with. we're going to end the podcast by some series of questions I used to ask my guests, and I'm going to open it up for people to ask questions. What is your biggest business pain point at the moment? Hmm.
1: Pain points are the people. How do we get people to understand that the work we do is in their own interest? You know, because Nigeria ethnicity, poverty, all of factors, we still. Inhibit people from understanding the weight of the people in public office are actually public servants, they're doing public service. So, I don't have a problem with politicians abuses budgets or have a problem with budget, I feel like it's in its own self enlightening interest, our work doesn't lie of the day. But what is my biggest pain point is when I see the same people that you're trying to inform and educate, and they're trying to say this is the only way we can change Nigeria if we have information and we make you have information and we hold these guys to account same people become your biggest critics it pays me much because i feel like you know the work is huge you know in terms of transforming the minds of nigerians but i guess that's where we want to focus more citizen, have, knowledge. citizen knowledge let's educate people more on civic education the military experience has bastardized us even societal influence But when you see your daddy you know you have to prostrate but not being able to question things yeah, it's God that puts him there. Yes, God, I don't, yeah, maybe you can make that assumption. God and your, your negligence put him there, but in some sort of way, that opportunity is there for you to ask questions because it's not a monarchy system.
0: Because we don't have accountability culture
1: anywhere. Yeah, so it's time for us to start building it. And that's the biggest pain point that I have.
0: What is your number one growth metric? How do you measure that what you're doing is working or you're growing as an organization?
1: So, um, the number of persons that we reach. That's what we count as a group metric. We use metric. When people are visiting our website. I mean people are following us. When we go on radio, what's the response like? So what's
0: your reach at the moment?
1: Our calculation shows we've reached 1.542 million Nigerians. 1.542 million. 1.5
0: million. 1.5 million Nigerians, 1.5 million Nigerians. 1.5 million Nigeria across all your platforms.
1: Across all our platforms so far. Unique people. Yeah. Unique people. Yeah, we always ready. Which book are you reading at the moment? Uh the book I'm reading is called The Rise and Fall of the Second Republic. It's written by Tony Falola and Julius. In the Second when you, Republic
0: Shagari government. Shagari government.
1: No, when you hear people think politicians say diversification, oil is this ah you just shake. The problems of Nigeria has not been in they are not new. Like you read some quotes about Bason Job, this general Basso seventy nine. When he says, How did we suddenly become that oil is now the entire life cycle of Nigeria and we are going to start importing food? It's the same story you hear Chibaju. The same about you wrote in the open last week. So it's some sort of way you find that time didn't happen to Nigeria. So I've been reading it, cross travels. I still have it in my bag. The car, when I read it, and I can't just continue. Because I'm writing a book, so I'm researching about how we wasted our cycles of oil bomb. That made me you know, dive into our economic history a bit.
0: Which business is getting you excited at the moment, apart from budget or the ones that you're involved in? Hmm. Bitcoin. 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 No, no. I Maybe mean, no. the my Timmy. Oh, Bitcoin asset concept. As the whole concept. Yeah. Okay. You want me to say specific business? Yeah. I was, I was asking about bis- business, but let's okay. talk about Bitcoin. Why are you excited about Bitcoin?
1: Personally, everybody feels they are late to the party. I, don't, I understand the technology, you know, but I still, I still don't understand how what is driving it that is all going mad like this hype. I don't know. Suddenly today is four thousand. We're there where it was four thousand, seven thousand. You know, is this how we're gonna keep going up and down? It's falling down, by the way. I'm just curious about what's gonna happen. I'm, I'm just curious. I'm just watching what's gonna happen. I'm not saying I'm so knowledgeable because they're trying to explain it. We're fucking it. We're doing this, the, the cryptocurrency. They try and say it. it looks too good to be true. Maybe it's not true in the end. But you know, we we'll watch it. If we first talk about specific Nigerian business that gets me excited. I would say slother wave. And not because I know him personally, but because I know there's power in what he's trying to do. The entire, the whole thing, if I was going doing budget, I would possibly be doing something around fintech or education. But on the whole, if there's anything that is getting me to feel that like if I was going to draw budget today, what am I going to be doing? It has to be with education. I'm very passionate about education. Education. Uh, because I know the cheat code of developed society is the attention they pay to education. We don't. We don't deliberately invest in our talent. Not invest, invest is even invest our talents. You know, I was in US for a while recently. I had a colleague who took me around schools, and went to class meetings. I, I saw how deliberately that system packs all their talents together, ensures that they take them up that pipeline and give them all the opportunities. But enjoy. Yeah, you are smart, you're talented. If you're not careful, you fall through the cracks. And you
0: recently spoke at the United Nations Assembly. Hmm. And how was that experience and what did you speak about?
1: It was one of the side events, there was a thousand side events, but this was about open government partnership. So it's about, there's a global body that's trying to push issues of transparency and accountability Nigeria joined last year. Um, and I was invited to be one of the speakers to speak about our experience in Nigeria and what are the opportunities across the globe. So it was just and it was interesting interesting to find I've been to New York a lot of times but it was interesting and to get inside the new, uh, UN building and see it's the biggest bureaucracy in the world to see how huge it is and you know I could feel it. this is huge yeah it was interesting I liked
0: it it's good to have you Sheun, Uh in this conversation I hope you enjoyed it I enjoyed it so and much and we're going to open up for, qu- for questions but then let's just appreciate Sheaun for his time This series is in partnership with the British Council in Nigeria. The British Council is the UK's international organization for cultural relations and educational opportunities. All opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion or policies of the British Council. For more information about the British Council, go to BritishCouncil.org.ng. One of the things we do at Starter is growth consulting. We work with a select number of growth stage startups and established companies to grow and retain their customers. We do growth. We're not a digital marketing agency. Instead, we help our clients figure out their customer acquisition and retention by focusing on three major things. We help them build a consistent narrative and community around their core offers. Second, we help them build a scalable, repeatable, and cost-effective growth systems, and strategies. And lastly, most importantly, we help them build an in-house team that we execute the strategies for them. We've worked with and still working with companies like Flutterwave, Cranium One, Diawa Law, Omar Gardens, JEE Client Services, Amara Suite, and many others. We're a small team of startup entrepreneurs, investors, product designers, and growth marketers with experiences of building and scaling our own products and companies. To work with you, we'll have to determine if there's a fit and if we can significantly make a difference to your growth trajectory within a short time. If your business is currently making money, at least $10,000 per month, and you want to scale to the next level, let's have a chat. Go to wedogrowth.co and book a free strategy session with us. That is G R O W T H -H 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 D. We do and book a free strategy session with us today. You've been listening to Building the Future podcast by Dalton. These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. That is T-H-E-S-T-A-R-T-A.com and sign up for our newsletter. It will be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks.